Welcome to Masala PTI with your hosts, Ravi and Arvind. Pardon these Indians as they take you on a unique and wild ride around the world of sports. Hello friends, welcome to Pardon the Indians, the brand new sports podcast brought to you by two desis who are crazy about American sports. Hi, I'm Ravi. Hey, uh, this is Aravind. And we both have been friends for the better part of the last 20 years and more than that we have been crazy about the NBA, the NFL and more particularly uh, our favorite Arizona sports teams. Uh, we grew up uh, in India, uh, I grew up in Chennai and then moved to Arizona to pursue my masters and during the time we got uh, exposed to the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball and became passionate about uh, the Phoenix Suns, the Arizona Cardinals and the Diamondbacks respectively. So that's a little bit about me. Over to you Arvind. Hey Ravi, thanks for that introduction. Yeah, I guess my background, I could just cut and paste yours and replace your name with mine. Uh, very similar. Grew up in Chennai uh, as a huge cricket fan back in the day. Uh, moved to the Valley of the Suns first. And then we both, I guess, started watching the Suns, who were pretty big at that time. That was my first introduction to American sports. But since then, uh, of course, fantasy football has become a huge deal and we are big into that. Uh, we should probably mention that this show will get hardcore into fantasy down the road pretty soon here. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Plus, we are both fans of the Cardinals, Diamondbacks. And then we are both now live in the, living in the Bay Area. And I have, among the Bay Area teams, I have to say, I have the biggest crush on Billy Bean and the Oakland A's. Uh, oh, I see. I don't know about you, as far as the local teams go, how you are uh, tied to them. I'm not a big yeah, fan so of the bad. Giants because they are both geographic rivals for the A's as well as uh, division rivals for the Diamondbacks. Yes. I don't mind any of the other teams, but I do like the A's. How about you? you know, so I, I guess the, the outcome of my uh, convoluted attempt at trying to be a fan of a local team here in the Bay Area has resulted in the same result, which is I do like the A's a lot more than the Giants. And a mm -hmm. lot of the cause for that is primarily what you said, which is that I still can't, despite them absolutely sucking, I still can't stop liking the Diamondbacks. And given the <laughs> fact that the Giants are not only division rivals, but have been doing fantastically well in the last uh, decade or so, makes me hate them even more. So right, by right. default, my only other option from a baseball perspective has been the A's. And the same rule applies in terms of uh, who I kind of step like here in the Bay Area amongst football <laughs> teams, and that would be the Raiders. I'm not a fan of the... 49ers either, mm -hmm. uh, for the same reason as I mentioned earlier. I, see. Uh, I do like the Raiders also because it's hard uh, to not feel sympathetic towards them. They suck so bad. <laughs> uh, they have nothing going for them. Right. And so you almost feel like they are your, you know, that poor cousin that you want to help in some way, <laughs> shape or form. That's funny. When, when we were in, this is probably true for you too, when we were in Phoenix, the Cardinals were pretty bad too. So yes. 
I never really got into them. I think back then, remember the days they used to play at the ASU stadium and ASU yes. would outdraw them on a Saturday. Then <laughs> what would happen on a Sunday? And so I don't really have a very passionate uh, liking for any NFL team except the league itself. Obviously, yeah. we all love the NFL. And of course, fantasy, right? Uh, so I don't mind the Niners, I don't mind the uh, Raiders. I don't like them as much as I do the Cardinals, but I, there's no real hate. Okay. Uh, but in baseball, it's kind of easy to have an AL team and NL team, I guess. That's another reason it's kind of easy to say I like both the Diamondbacks and the Ace without looking completely stupid. Exactly. It's harder exactly. in the other sports. And of course, the last two years it's hard not to like the Warriors, right? Even if you're not in this area. Yes. Uh, plus for you and me, I'm sure you agree, there's a lot of Suns connection too. Like Nash works here, their style is similar to the Suns of the mid-2000s and Curtis coaching and Barbosa until he went back. So uh, Absolutely. No, and, and that's the part, Arvind, that I will frankly admit that has been a big reason for me to have jumped on the Warriors bandwagon I would say in the last year or so. Prior to that, again, if we look at this Warriors glory run mm -hmm. uh, for two years or two seasons, uh, it took me a while to really get used to the fact that I needed to start liking them or following them because, again, uh, using a stupid analogy, it felt like you know he, uh, the Warriors were the uh, again the cousin of yours who's doing a lot better than you, and you refuse to admit that you like him. <laughs> Uh, and that's what I felt about the Warriors uh, versus my beloved sons. And then when you're looking for threads of familiarity and you find Steve Kerr and Barbosa and then Steve Nash and the style of play and then all of a sudden you start justifying your, uh, your, your uh, fandom for the Warriors by saying that, you know what, they kind of have taken the tidbits of what originated with the Mike D'Antoni sons. Yeah. And uh, then it becomes somewhat easier to start liking them. Definitely. And I think this area is absolutely crazy about that. And yeah. I guess that's, that's uh, good about our introduction and where we are coming from. Let's jump into one of the topics I want to talk about today, especially given this warrior uh, introduction. Obviously, the biggest news of the summer is clearly Kevin Durant. And I, have, I would like to kind of peek into the future before dwelling on the past. Uh, I'm going to ask you two questions, one of which is on everybody's mind, and another one probably only you and me care about at this point. The first one is that's on everybody's mind. What, what do you expect from this team? You know, what do you... It's a super team, no question about that. Uh, one year from now, three years, five years, you know, let's talk about whatever pops in your mind. What do you expect from this? Now, the second question, which I think is more relevant to you and me, and hopefully a few other remaining Suns fans is, what does it mean for the Phoenix Suns that this super team is right here, right now? And the reason that's interesting, aside from you know, you and me being diehard Suns fans, is they are in the same division, same conference, and they're kind of this young and upcoming team, I hope. So what are your thoughts on those two uh, questions about the future? So, yeah, so Arvind, you know, I, uh, on the first question first, to me, 
there is nothing that makes me think that this is an experiment that is going to explode in their face. And I know yeah. a lot of people have been trying to find ways to belittle the Durant signing by saying that, you know, their bench is now decimated and, uh, you know, they're not as fundamentally strong as they were before. And I can guess kind of see that train of thought or that logic. But to me, I don't subscribe to it for two reasons. First, one of which is that the comparisons that are being put forward in regards to when was the last time a super team was created and whether that led to something good or not was uh, the Lakers from a few years ago when they supposedly had that super team with Dwight and uh, Kobe and Nash and I forget who else. Mm -hmm. But to me, that there is a fundamental difference there that Kevin Durant is as generous, as unselfish a superstar as you can find. And to me, that matters because we are not talking about a true superstar ideology in the team, uh, even with the introduction or with the induction of Kevin Durant. I think he knows that mm -hmm. his goal, and again, I think he's also been smart by, you know, by constructing this as a two-year contract. So there is almost an experimentation or a proof of concept right. ideology here at play. And I think that dwells well for him as a player, for the Warriors as a team, and for, and for us as fans. Because to me, you know, the Dwight-Kobe dynamic was uh, was injurious from day one. And that's there's nothing like that in this team. That's the, second, the second analogy or the second uh, context that's often brought out is, and this is even worse of a comparison, is when Malone and Peyton joined the Lakers during their heyday. And that to me was purely, it's almost like you and I joining the Warriors <laughs> now. Uh, you know, we know that they're going to win, so we might as well get a ring as well. And I think that even, uh, you know, that's not even uh, close to being uh, a fair comparison. So to me, the Durant signing in its attitudinal chemistry, I think, is as seamless, as uh, non-intrusive as a superstar signing can be to an already good team. Right. And the rest of it, frankly, is for us to uh, see how things play out. But I think the second point I wanted to mention on this particular issue is I think the style of play, right? I mean, wherein there is a free-flowing ball movement, a lot of motion offense. And I think whether it's Durant or Clay or Curry or Draymond, they excel in that. Mm -hmm. I think the only time the Warriors were getting stuck last year was when defensively they were getting... Uh, double teamed and or when the ball had to get run in set plays which is not any of their strong points and I think Durant's addition does nothing to uh, undermine their core strengths right. in that regard. Right. Supposedly he did say tell Kerr that uh, uh, you do know I also have some bad habits right so one of the problems I think he was trying to get away from or um, one of the problems with the OKC offense was uh, they always played this iso ball, right? It used to right. go back and forth between Westbrook and Durant. And it was interesting that he was conscious of that and he told Kerr, supposedly, that uh, I have some bad habits too. And Kerr uh, supposedly told him, don't worry, I will yell at you. So, <laughs> so you're absolutely right. These guys move the ball. And uh, it's funny that you brought the Howard uh, Nash Kobe is the previous example. I almost forgot about that as a bad team. <laughs> I think you did the right thing. <laughs> so that didn't work. But of course, the obvious comparison is the LeBron Wade uh, 
Bosch thing that did work, right? And that was yes. a super team, not a four-headed monster, but a three-headed one. But the difference there, I think, is I totally agree with you. This is going to mesh much better. I think that was three guys coming from almost three different directions. Yes. Here, they already have a threesome, and they're seamlessly integrating the fourth superstar, like you said. On top of that, the styles and the system seem to mesh well. There, in LeBron's case, you could have made an argument that neither him nor Wade are that good a shooter, and both of them needed a ball and driving lanes and things like that, right? Correct, yeah. Here, I don't see any of those problems. So it's it's pretty exciting, especially for us living in this area, to think what's going to happen. Um, because, uh, you know, we, we get to see, every time we turn on the TV or go to a game, we are going to see Durant, uh, not to mention the other three guys. Now, I might have to sell a kidney to afford a ticket for any of these games. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's going to be pretty fun and I think they're going to win like a ton of games and probably I have heard three out of next four, four out of next five championships. Who knows how it goes but I think uh, I agree with you, Sky is the limit for this team. Uh, now, what do you think about our second question which is yeah. the Suns angle to this? It's, it's, it's one of those things, uh, Arvind, wherein I frankly was really happy for the Suns when Durant joined the Warriors and it had nothing to do with the team composition or relative strengths or whatever. It was purely uh, driven by my peace of mind that this allows the Suns to quote-unquote suck for a couple more seasons. <laughs> uh, you know, when, when you have a super team in the same division, Mm -hmm. I would say only an idiot would think that the Suns are going to be anywhere close to, uh, uh, you know, to the not only the Warriors, but would give them. A, but but I don't think too many people would give the Suns much of a chance to do any better than they did last year. Because if you look at the Suns' composition, even the diehard fans like us, we are excited for the future, but right. we still would be. Highly optimistic if we think that Marquis Chris and Bender and Julius and Booker and whoever else they've got are going to even get to the playoffs this year. I think that's, in my mind, a far-reaching proposition. Mm -hmm. Having said that, nothing in my mind says that uh, they cannot develop to be the Draymond Clay Curry core in three years from now. They mm -hmm. have the raw skills. And again, if you remember, Draymond was a second-round pick. Yeah. Clay was regarded, but I don't think he was supposed to be uh, uh, a potential perennial all-star. And Curry was Curry even then, uh, but I don't think he was as you know mm -hmm. doubted to be the all-time leader in uh, three-point shooting over two consecutive seasons. So my oh, point definitely. is, I think yeah. we are seeing the raw skills and the talent from the Suns' uh, draft class as well as from the likes of Booker mm -hmm. and Len. And I think the real proof of that will come in three years. And until then, given the fact that Durant is with the Warriors, no one's going to be looking at the Suns and they can afford to suck and quote-unquote develop. Agreed. I think that's a good point you make. Basically, what you're saying is they can... Uh, they probably got a little bit more leeway to rebuild. Yes. Because you are not going anywhere fast anyways. So you might as well uh, take your time and rebuild. And that's... My thought too, like they're going to be 
bad for probably this year um, maybe they'll be competitive but they're not going to they they're going to need like two or three years to develop right. and let the warriors win all they want in that in that duration right so i i look at the suns as possibly the next you know a uh, super team if you will we we can always dream right so yeah, absolutely so and there of course this is a competitive sport man i mean there is the t wolves and there's even the lakers are not that bad with their young yeah. talent so i think those three and of course we have been talking about utah being the next young team for a few years now so everybody is in that boat right either you are already a great team or you are hoping to be a great team suns are unfortunately in the second list but i'm excited for the young talent they have it's not as good as the minnesota core yet yes uh, even though devin booker is a absolute stud i agree uh, and they may be only on par with the lakers it's hard to lakers are looking real bad right now because of all that d'angelo ratzel uh, situation <laughs> and all that but really talent wise i uh, they are not that bad as a future uh, investment right quote and quote investment if you want to look at it that way so they are in the mix at least with this draft like you said uh, they got some tall guys who can do a few things and they already have booker and len let's see where it goes so this almost gives us a 3 4 year window where we can continue to suck and develop and uh, then overtake this durant curry combination as the age or whatever uh, that's my thinking too yeah i agree and just one tangent to that uh, but somewhat related as well uh, which is the other thing i liked about what the suns did this summer which is to not spend money unnecessarily yes uh, you know it just obviously i mean you know it's, it seems like some of the other teams behave like what how we probably did when we were 6 years old when you know our parents give us uh, 10 rupees to spend and we would spend basically every penny of the 10 rupees that we were given instead of saving it for the future yeah uh, you know when you find the likes of uh, miles plumley getting four years 50 million dollars mm-hmm. uh, you know it it then makes you think that the suns probably got the steal of the decade by getting Tyson Chandler last year right. uh, even though you and I I know have been criticizing that deal I think it feels like a steal now given that Plumley and uh, uh, Tyler Johnson are getting more money <laughs> than uh, yes. what Chandler is making I think that's a good thing about those contracts uh the, the new salary cap I don't mind if they just retain Chandler even if it is just a backup you know look at all these guys getting so much money it's not a bad deal at all uh, Yeah and the likes of Chandler right I mean and I'm trying to think uh, and I'm not getting any similes uh, on the fly but you always I never mind those veteran big men who can maybe give you 5 minutes in a critical crunch time situation uh, and along the way also hopefully groom you know your young yes. uh, starters that's never a bad thing well the that's the problem there is how much are you willing to pay for that right that's yeah. where this contract look bad but uh, not sure anymore after the new uh, uh, you know new salary cap you might as well hold on to them instead of uh, signing these guys for uh, uh, you know similar deals you know much less skilled guys for uh, more money right like what moscow got in uh, la Hey, that's right. Yeah, I, and, I, I and I agree with you that they've been very disciplined this off season. They just got like Barbosa and Jared Dudley back, and that's yeah. their uh, 
you know, that's their best shot uh, in this offseason, which is interesting. All right. So, um, what do you think about this Durant's decision itself? Any thoughts there? Because I thought, obviously, anytime you leave a small market and move to this, you know, big, bad super team type situation, there's going to be a pushback, right? Especially, he is pretty much the father of uh, professional sports in Oklahoma. I, I think he had a very unique relationship. And even I felt bad for OKC that he was walking away from that. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, people always say, oh, he's a free agent, he's, he's free to do whatever he wants, nobody should criticize him, which I kind of don't agree with that because it's not that anybody is putting him in jail for this decision. That's not the point. But as a fan, that's what you are supposed to do, right? Judge and analyze and criticize every move of your athletes. Uh, yeah, yeah. And the OKC fan has every right to be upset, every right to be disappointed and react and hate him now. I mean, I don't mean a real life hate, but you know, you know what I mean, like sports hate, like, hey, I right. hate New York Yankees type hate. And this whole idea that, you know, for instance, Stephen A. Smith comes out and says, uh, I would have respected him if he had gone anywhere else. Uh, it's a weak decision for him to go play for the Warriors. I, I thought that was kind of weird and stupid in the sense that I understand that if you're an OKC fan that you're upset, he's kind of sleeping with the enemy, quote-unquote, by going to the Warriors. Yes. But if you slow down a little bit and think rationally, he's leaving, right? You're an OKC fan, you have to look at it as he's leaving. It doesn't matter where he goes, you are screwed anyways. Now, as far as where he goes, of course he should go to the Warriors. Where else can he go? I think given how good the OKC was, basketball-wise, it doesn't make any sense for him to go anywhere else. For all the intangible reasons and basketball reasons, he should have stayed in OKC. But if he's leaving, he has to pick an absolute you know, killer of a situation, which only Warriors had. He can go to Washington, D.C. That's probably an inferior team even with him than what OKC is right now, I mean, or last year, right? Yes. So I never got this logic that he could have gone uh, somewhere else because I think, looking at it from outside, he either stays with OKC, which I am all for, uh, or he's tempted and he goes to the Warriors. I don't see this breaking any other way. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I actually 100% agree with you because in my mind, his decision and there are two components to this decision, right? One is whether or not he stays with the Thunder. That's, mm -hmm. you know, that's almost I think, I think a lot of people feel he should have stayed. I'm kind of agnostic on that. But the second component is, okay, fine, if he's decided not to, where does he go to? And in my mind, his decision is exactly the antithesis for of what people like Stephen A. Smith are accusing him of, which is that, oh, you know, he didn't show heart and, you know, he, yeah. he kind of took the easy way out. I think he's putting on so much onus on himself to go into a situation as a certified top three superstar in the league to not mess up an already existing uh, premier team. So if he goes there and they win 72 games, 
while mm-hmm. I don't think that's a step down, there are going to be people who are going to say, what, Durant came on board and still the Warriors didn't win as many games. Oh, they are missing Bogart or they're missing yeah, yeah. Uh, Spades or some crap like that. <laughs> and I think that's not true. So that, number one, that's, a, that's, a, that's candidly an onus he's taking on himself. Second thing is, if he was all about the glory and the money and the quote-unquote big market charm, he would have gone to New York and you know, been in a shitty situation there. He could have gone to maybe the Lakers or the Bulls. I mean, I'm sure any of these teams could have been creative enough to figure out space for him. Right. But I think, you, to your point, and I agree with you 100%, his, his decision seems to be all basketball-related. And I respect a hell of a lot, uh, uh, him a hell of a lot purely for that, that irrespective of whether it was a ring-chasing dream or a, or a ring-chasing uh, decision. Number one, I don't believe that. It feels exactly the opposite of that. And number two, he is going to an existing uh, situation which is already set in place for him to come in and take them to the next level. So it seems all basketball-related. Right, absolutely. It's it's perfect for him. And, and I'm a sucker for uh, the small market narrative and all of that. So I totally would have loved for him to stay at OKC. I was really disappointed for them. Uh, I guess I cared about that a little bit more than you from what you're saying. But yeah. if he's going to leave it, then, you know, he, he'd rather go to the Warriors rather than somewhere else. I think that would have been a bigger slap on OKC. Imagine him leaving OKC with that team with all that love that the fans have for him and go to like the, you know, I don't know, you know, Wizards or even the Lakers for that matter. I, I, exactly. Right? And that's the part, that's the part that one has to respect him for, that he's not insulting the team that he's grown up with. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Well, looks like uh, we are on the same page on that. That's good to hear. Uh, I want us to also talk about another uh, current topic. Uh, in a different sport, as as always, uh, you know, NFL is the biggest kid in the block, and uh, the Deflate Gate finally wrapped up uh, recently. I guess uh, everybody is happy about it. Um, I always thought it was interesting how, uh, in some ways, divisive, to use a political term from the convention season, this topic was. I felt like. Boston was, and, and the New England fans were completely uh, with Brady, and the anti-Brady group was kind of uh, always suspecting something fishy went on, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, the the narrative that I had the biggest problem, and I would like to hear your thoughts on, is uh, how somehow Goodell was out to get Brady. That I never got that, uh, in the sense that, once the thing started rolling, I can see where this became a complete ego thing. And, of course, he wanted to crush Brady, right? Yes. But I cannot imagine any league uh, at the beginning of this saga thinking, oh, let's get over one of our most popular players and nail him. I, I don't think that that conspiracy doesn't make sense to me. The I am usually in line with the other conspiracy where leagues and uh, commissioners are trying to protect their biggest stars and uh, investment. But the New England fan base is convinced that the league and uh, Goodell was just out there to get them and uh, Brady. And I always thought that was funny. 
How do I, you think yeah. about that? Yeah, yeah, and I, I agree with that. I don't think Goodell is guilty in my mind of hounding Brady or wanting to kind of nail him. Mm-hmm. What I think he is guilty of, in general, in various league-related issues that have come up in the last few years, has been of inefficiency and foolishness. Right. I think he's just handled so many issues so badly, and I include things like Bounty Gate a few years ago or the Ray Rice. Uh, domestic violence case where it just felt like and i know um, you know somewhat apples to oranges here but my point is uh, an infraction has been committed whether it was bounty gate or the ray rice case or in this case deflate gate the 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 subsequent items number one are so vaguely handled and information is either leaked out or conveyed uh, intentionally in such a mishmash and then all of a sudden, you know, very impulsively a decision is laid out by Goodell and then that leads to not a decisive closure to that issue but a series of never-ending subsequent episodes, it feels like. So yeah. nothing ever seems to have a sense of closure. Yeah. And to me, that's on him as the commissioner that he's never been able to, and you and I can kind of relate to it coming from the software side, nothing ever seems to have a project life cycle in his <laughs> Uh, you know, in his domain, everything seems to keep on going on endlessly with brickbats thrown on either side. And the end never seems to favor his judgment. Like it never seems to end in a way where people think highly or complimentarily about Goodell and how he's been acting. That's a good point. And of course, a lot of this fight was about the power and this, how he plays, you know, judge, jury and execution and all of that. But I, you know, that's all a separate topic, right? After all, the CBA gave him all that power. And I'm not a big fan of Goodell, but I'm just saying in this case, I it just feels like they got some evidence, you know, Brady screwed up on a few things, like destroying his cell phone and things like that. Yeah. And, and they just uh, had enough to punish him, right? That's all. And I, I, I don't... I just have a problem with this narrative that they were out to get him and they are completely wrong and things like that. Now, it's for the union to figure out how to control him and rein him in the next time they have a chance. Uh, let's see where that goes. Um, I don't think he's... I, I don't know. Let's see where that goes because I would like to think they uh, restrain his power a little bit, but who knows? Yeah, and just, by the way, just one other point that I, uh, I've, I've had in mind in regards to the the outcome of Deflate Gate, I mean, you know, from a from a on-the-field perspective, and to me, it is pretty, frankly, a fairly good result for the Patriots, because number one, I think conclusively now they can go into uh, the preseason knowing that Brady is going to miss the first four games, and mm-hmm. as such, it allows them to groom, observe, and develop uh, the backup. Uh, I don't even want to venture pronouncing his last name, uh, but I know Jimmy is his first, but I think it allows them to groom him in a manner that they would like to. And maybe this becomes another uh, Bledsoe to Brady transition eventually, and at which time they'll only have Goodell to thank for uh, what eventually ends up happening. Well, knowing uh, Belichick, that could happen, right? I mean... You never know. Yeah. Um, all right. So now let's move on to the final part of the show. Uh, this is where 
we do a bunch of cl click hits called Paka 5. Uh, for the uninitiated, Paka is kind of loosely translates to perfect, big, big five, or perfect five, right? Perfect, maybe. Um, so I'm going to go first. Um, okay. I have a couple of media stuff, uh, sports media stuff this time. So I have been, I've been watching any given Wednesday. I love that show. Love it. Yeah, so uh, two thumbs up, I guess four thumbs up for any given Wednesday. That's uh, Bill Simmons' uh, latest show on uh, HBO. Uh, especially, I like this Aaron Rodgers interview last time. Check it out if you get a chance. Okay. Um, I also like the 30 for 30. They always do a good job. Uh, the Doc and Daryl was pretty fascinating. This is on uh, the mid-80s Mets and all that problem with cocaine and hookers and whatnot. This is Doc Gooden and Daryl Strawberry. Wow. Uh, that's okay. pretty well done. We know this is the summer of LeBron after him bringing a championship to Cleveland, but recently I got to watch uh, Trainwreck. Did you watch that movie? Yes, I did. <laughs> I was blown away by his uh, performance in that movie. So the guy has got everything going for him. He has a, I think he has a great future as an actor, actually. I um, agree with you on that. Uh, the next one is, I think, put this under the rich gets richer category. Supposedly, the Warriors pick Patrick McCaw is the most impressive guy uh, in the summer league. Uh, you know, that's the last thing you want to hear if you're not a Warriors fan or if you're, uh, you know, want to be one of the teams playing them next year. Um, so the super team has another uh, promising youngster coming in. And the last one... Um, you know, I find this very interesting that uh, the Giants have won the championship in uh, 2010, 12, and 14. And the running joke is they're going to win the World Series again. This is 2016. Uh, but the funny part is they are kind of uh, playing well and almost in line to make that happen. Uh, even though I don't like the Giants, I'm kind of fascinated by that narrative. It would be kind of cool if they... When again in 2016, they seem to be reloaded and rebuilt, and uh, they have the best record in the league, I believe. So it'll be an interesting second half of the season in Major League Baseball. Um, your turn. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Erwin. In fact, uh, you know, solid pucker five from you. And I just wanted to do a quick chime in on the last point, which is sometimes I do feel, and I have no logic to support this, but I sometimes feel that when you have some kind of a uh, cosmic or incidental mathematic trend that seems to develop in any of the sport, it almost sometimes seems like the team starts mm -hmm. believing in it or believing in the hype. And it almost seems like the Giants basically let go during the odd years and start playing with a lot more passion in the even years. And uh, I mean, obviously, it's a ridiculous point, but uh, it seems maybe to be is, working that way. Yeah, maybe there is something that I believe they even did not even make the playoffs in some of those odd years. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> So, but here's mine, and for my first point, I kind of take us out of uh, American sports and would like to talk about cricket a little bit. Recently, uh, uh, and you know, my interest in cricket now is fairly peripheral, but still, I did uh, pay attention to the fact that uh, the Pakistan cricket team is visiting England and ended up winning their first test match at Lords, which was uh, significant for a couple of reasons. Number one, because I don't think the Pakistan cricket team has beaten anyone. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. abroad in a long time purely because they haven't played anyone in a while 
uh, given all the uh, the strife that's been going on in that part of the uh, uh, region. But what was also significant about this was that uh, this marked the return of uh, their uh, fast bowler, Mohammad Amir, mm-hmm. after that whole uh, spot-fixing uh, controversy he went through. But the reason I brought up this point was not as much to talk about how Pakistan played, but I believe at the end of the game or at the end of the match, their celebratory ritual was to do push-ups on the field. Wow. And that infuriated not only the English media, but also the England cricket team who thought that was not classy. And I thought, you know, if there was uh, an example of hypocrisy, that pro- probably was exactly that. Because if I remember right, in 2013, the English cricket team, after winning the Ashes against Australia, actually urinated on the cricket pitch. Wow, so for classy. them to smack down someone else for being not classy, I think, uh, is not only stupid and ridiculous, it's also very contentious. I think that really uh, uh, didn't sit well with me. Agreed. As did, or neither did my second uh, uh, point, which was, uh, which is related to the Olympics and the whole Russian doping controversy, wherein I can see where a team of individuals or even a specific uh, set of athletes in a particular sport from a contingent which goes to an event like the Olympics, indulging in doping, because again, all of that originates maybe from the uh, the training director or from the coach and in some cases from the individuals. But to have something as widespread as state-sponsored doping, mm-hmm. I think it's 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 baffling to me that in today's age of social media, the internet, transparent uh, information, that something like this could have gone on and could have gone on for so long and wouldn't have come out unless, uh, you know, I think a couple of, you know, defected, whistleblowers decided to talk about it. So I think this is much bigger than what it is being made out of. I think, yes, the immediate uh, consequence should be banning Russia, but I think the effects of this will be more far-reaching than than just uh, the Russian team getting banned from the Olympics. Then I wanted to talk about Summer League as well, but again, staying selfish to the core, I would say the guy that I read a lot about was Tyler Eulis, the Suns' uh, second-round pick, who it appears uh, that he turned some heads during the during the tournament. Yeah, uh, I read that Not too. the least of which was due to his 35-foot buzzer beater to beat Denver. Uh-huh. A couple of nights ago, uh, but overall, I think with uh, I think he averaged about 15 points, had four or five assists a game, minimal turnovers, and not to mention the fact that he and uh, Booker were backcourt mates at Kentucky. Right. I think that dwells well for the Suns, uh, you know, in terms of having some really good talent on their team. They have like 25 guys from the University of Kentucky <laughs> on their roster. True, 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 true. They have become like yeah, the UK West. Um, and then a couple of uh, uh, media-related things, one uh, of which was uh, the 30 for 30 uh, on the Orlando Magic. And I think it's called Magic Moments or something like that, which, yeah. again, similar to what you talked about, uh, the Doc and Daryl 30 for 30, I kind of was blown away by the Magic episode. I think a huge part of it was just the nostalgia of remembering those, those, those seasons as they happened, that those were, if you remember the time where I think we had just moved to this country. We had started becoming Suns fans and NBA fans, and the Magic was the team to fear uh, with uh, Penny and Shaq and uh, their three-point shooting from the outside. And I think just to see how things developed to getting them to be 
the pseudo super team of the time and then everything just getting evaporated uh, in a jiffy i think it was a pretty compelling 30 for 30 and the last point that i had was uh, i was thinking about sports movies like you know which are the uh, which are the sports movies that i've enjoyed watching and rewatching and uh, you know with uh, my boys getting to the age where they are keen on sports i mean there are there are movies that kind of you enjoy watching over and over again and the one movie that i feel that uh, uh, never makes me feel like i don't like to watch it is rudy oh uh, nice. part of it is uh, you know again the, the you know the, the the tiny guy making it big and or uh, the whole concept of why it never hurts to always give it 100% uh, and the fact that it is a fairly uh, scripted uh, retelling of an actual story i think all of those things make me uh, like that movie quite a bit and it is something that i want to discuss in more detail in one of our subsequent episodes but uh, those cool. those were my pakka five for the day sounds good i like your uh, pakka five it's quite pakka uh, <laughs> so i guess that wraps up our inaugural show um uh, one shameless plug i also have a, a blog if you want to check it out goodcynicsports.blogspot.com uh any shameless plug for you ravi i know you are always in a couple of uh, interesting sports projects as well i don't know if yeah, you have anything going yeah. on right now see unlike you i am very lazy and <laughs> number one you know to your point yeah for everyone out there i would strong, strongly recommend reading up on uh, arvin's blog it is a fascinating account in some ways i feel it is a uh, a, a written Uh, version or written version of the flavor that you hopefully got from him in this verbal podcast which is that it is very uh, undiluted unfiltered very honest uh, perspective on uh, the leading trends in sports so definitely uh, would want all of you to go to that as far as i am concerned and i used to write for bleacher report it yeah. was before they became big and then they became big and i became lazy so i am not writing for okay. them anymore um so so that's this podcast is it at the moment cool um yeah that's i think that wraps up our inaugural show hopefully people like it and uh, i totally enjoyed talking with you ravi and hopefully we do this again soon absolutely arvin and again just as a a rule of thumb we hope to have this at least uh, on a weekly frequency and as arvin said once uh, football season kicks in um uh, i think you'll hear a lot more from us uh, during that time oh yeah then it's on yeah all right thanks guys talk to you next okay, time okay thank you bye okay.